Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you to our praise team. And thank all of you for worshiping this morning and singing and taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Judges. The book of Judges. I want to share a sermon this morning that I've entitled Fighting the Canaanite Culture. Fighting the Canaanite Culture. As I mentioned before, it's kind of been a, it's been a bad week. It's been a long seven days for a lot of people, a lot of uh, major cities. So much injustice, division, violence, rioting, uh, murder, list goes on and on. Um, so where do we go from here? What do we do? Where do we go from here? As believers, what do we do? Um, I got an idea. Let's let's uh, defund the police. Really, you think that's going to work? I tell you where we need to go from here. We need to uh, return to our moral code. We need to turn to the word of God. Return to the word of God. He's the only one that's going to be able to take care of our present situation. And we have left his word for the most part. So this morning I want to share a sermon entitled Fighting the Canaanite Culture. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 1. Look at verses 1 through 4. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hands. And so Judah said to Simon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we might fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. In other words, he said, you feel help me fight the Canaanites, I'll help you fight the Canaanites. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. Now, if you will, turn chapter 1, verse 28. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute but did not completely drive them out. They just held them as slaves. But they didn't completely drive them out. We'll bring all this together in a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to, to be here in this place to, to worship you for each person. Examine our hearts. Bless our country, I pray. Give our leaders wisdom. May they plead to you and cry out to you for wisdom. Help us, we pray, to return to your word. Help us to return to your law, your standard of moral conduct that this country was built upon. We pray now that you'll speak to us here today 
and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When you step from the pages of Joshua into the pages of Judges, you're going to find yourself in a different atmosphere. In Joshua, you're going to find victory. In Judges, you're going to find defeat. In Joshua, you're going to find the heavenlies. In Judges, you're going to find the earthly. In Joshua, you're going to find shouts of victory. But in Judges, you're going to hear cries of mercy. And so the point being, the book of Judges gives us the moral downfall of the nation Israel. And so you may be asking a question, well, Brother Samuel, why should we be interested in the deterioration of the moral life, the moral downfall of the children of Israel? Well, it's important because what happened to Israel is exactly what's taken place in America and is happening to God's people in America. Therefore, the book of Judges explains to us why we're in the mess that we're in. How we got there. And it tells us how we can get back to where we ought to be. So the point is, there has been a tremendous moral decline and spiritual decline in America. Jerry Vines, in his messages, uh, The Downfall of a Nation, he said this, I liked it, America has gone from in God we trust to in the gutter we tumble. He also said, we have gone from the eagle being our national bird to what appears to be in the buzzard. The point is, we have come to a place of tremendous moral and spiritual decline in America. So if you're taking notes, point number one, God's plan. What's God's plan for Israel as they face an ungodly nation? Well, when you look through the first chapter of Judges, you'll find reference after reference made about the Canaanites. In chapter 1 alone, you'll have a reference made to the Canaanites 14 times. The Canaanites were already occupying the land when God's people came in to the land, when they got into that promised land. And when God's people went into the land which God had given them, they found themselves surrounded by the Canaanites. They also found themselves engulfed. Another synonym would be drowned or flooded. Not only were they surrounded by a godless people, but they were engulfed with a Canaanite culture. Now, this is important because what a nation is culturally will determine what individuals in that nation are and what they become. Remember this. The culture of a nation is the sum of its religious beliefs, its social structure, 
its ethical standard and its moral behavior. The culture of a nation is the sum of its religious beliefs, its social structure, its ethical standard, and its moral behavior. So the point is the culture of a country is very important. The culture of a country is very critical. The culture of a country is very crucial. Now when the people of God came into this area, God made it clear in what they were do. He had this plan for His people. They were to conquer the Canaanites, and they were to drive them out of the land. That was God's plan. Conquer the Canaanites, drive them out of the land. They couldn't live together. They couldn't coexist together. Now, why was that? Well, if you're taking notes, point number two, they had these opposing philosophies. They had these different opinions about culture. They had these opposing philosophies. They could not live together, coexist together, because they represented opposite philosophies and spiritual approaches to life. Completely different. First of all, the Israelites believed in one God, Jehovah God. The Canaanites... uh, In turn, they had many gods. They believed in many gods. Israelites, one God, Jehovah God. Canaanites, many gods. Polytheism. They believed in Baal. They believed in Ashtoreth. They believed uh, uh, in the groves. So the children of Israel, see those opposing philosophies, Another opposed in philosophies is that Israel believed that God had spoken to them in His Word and He gave them, He'd given them moral guidelines. In turn, the Canaanites believed everybody did what suited them. So you had one group, one God, moral standards, the other group, many gods. And you just did what you wanted to do. In turn, the Canaanites believed everybody did that which suited them. So the point is, the two could not live in coexistence with each other. You had a difference in philosophy of living, of life, and of spirituality. And one of two, one of the two, would have to compromise. Now, the reason that we're studying about the Canaanites is because the Canaanites represent the U.S. culture of America from about 1965 up until the present. Some people, some said, I was studying, some said they represent America beginning around 1950. But it's safe to say at least 1955 up until the present. Uh, most concluded from about 65 until the present day. And so you had God's plan, you had these opposing philosophies, but third, you had this threat of being canonized. Canonized. Now, 
There's some of you here today, perhaps. There's some viewing by streaming Facebook and YouTube. And you believe some things that you really don't know why you believe them. You behave in a certain way that you really don't understand why you behave that way. And the reason for that is you have been canonized. We're going to talk about that. You have succumbed to the culture and the pressures of the culture which came around you And you begin to act like the culture. You've been canonized. Now, as you study the book of Judges, God gives us insight into why the children of Israel yielded or caved or bowed or knuckled down. Those synonyms, but the one I liked the best was capitulated. The word capitulated means to give way to a force to which one no longer resists. You just give in to it. So God gives us a key to this capitulation, giving way to a force that we can no longer exist. And so if you're taking notes, there's a threat about being uh, canonized, and then you have the key to being canonized. Why does this happen? Look, if you will, to the last chapter of Judges. Judges 21. In Judges 21, we'll find that key in verse 25. The key to being canonized. Verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Turn back, if you will, to chapter 17, verse 6. There it is again. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Friend, listen, that's the key to why things took place in Judges. In the book of Judges. That is the reason the people of God compromised and became absorbed in the culture of their day. This is why they took up the morals of the Canaanites. This is why they took up the ethics of the Canaanites. This is why they took up the standards of the Canaanites and the guidelines of the Canaanites. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now notice, he didn't say everyone did what was wrong in their own eyes. But everyone did which was right in their own eyes. So the point is, this represented a shift of thought in the minds of the Israelites. They didn't think that way. How did, they, how did they guide themselves? They did what God said. They had the law to go by. God had revealed himself to them. God had made himself known to them in a very personal way. God had revealed himself to them by his word or in his word. 
And so the point is, the Word of God was, abs- was an absolute standard, an absolute authority for God's people. They had that standard. We have it today. However, there came a shift in the thinking of God's people. And they began to act like the Canaanites. They moved away from the authority of what God said about the matter to what they themselves thought about the matter. See the shift? The point is, God was no longer their authority. Sound familiar? They themselves became their authority. So the question is, do you think that same philosophy is being expressed in America today? Sure it is. Every man does what is right in their own eyes. In other words, man becomes the standard, or man becomes the guideline. Man man decides what is right and what is wrong. Now think... In the earlier years in America, especially in America culture I'm, I'm speaking of, there was, a, there was a formal, nominal, you might say, so-called Christian perspective. Our country was founded on the belief of, in God, Jesus Christ, and the authority of God's Word. That was just normal thinking. That was just normal thinking, nominal thinking, so-called thinking. What's the country found on? Found on God, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the authority of God. But you go back 50 or 60 years ago and a revolution began. Something happened right before our eyes that's completely changed the moral and spiritual atmosphere of our country. In 1960, 65 percent of Americans believed the Bible was the literal Word of God. 65 percent of Americans believed the Bible was the Word of God. In 1992, 32 years later, 32 percent of those who lived in America believed the Bible was the literal Word of God. In 2017, I noticed this last night, a Gallup poll, May the 15th, 2017, 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. Fewer than one in four Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. 26% believed or believed the Bible is a book of fables and legends and history and more precepts recorded by man. 26%. In 1991, 67% of people in America said there is no absolute truth. 1994, 72% in America said there is no absolute truth. February the 12th, 2002, and that's the latest I could find, 
You may Google this and find it. 2000, that was 18 years ago. But 18 years ago, 83% felt moral truth depended on your circumstances. 6% said moral truth is absolute. And so when there is no truth, when there is no absolute truth, that means that what's true for you may not be true for me. It may be true to loot a store for some, and it may not be true for that for me. But there's no absolute truth, so it doesn't matter to some. If it suits you, doesn't matter if it suits me or not. Because there's no, only 6% say there's absolute truth. So here's the point. Without truth, there is no objective authority. There's no standard. There's no touchstone. There's no guideline of truth. The point is when people move from the authority of God's Word to the authority of their own thought process and their own opinion is what is right, what is wrong. We have problems. The result is always moral deterioration, moral decay. And that's why we're in such a mess in America. That's why people are believing what they're believing in America. That's why people are acting like they're acting in America. Now... There are people perhaps sitting in here today, viewing YouTube, Facebook, sitting in church every Sunday, who say they're saved, who say they're born again, who say they love the Lord, who say they're going to heaven, but the truth of the matter, no longer does the Word of God have final authority in their life. They do what they want to do in their own eyes. They do what is right in their own eyes. If it suits them, everything's all right. No one's business. Not even God's. That's why the book of Judges, that's what the book of Judges is all about. Now next week, God permitting... How did Israel lose their culture war with the Canaanites? But as we close, I have some questions I want you to consider. Now, we have just a few minutes. You can jot these down. They're worth jotting down. Questions to consider. Number one, do you believe that the Bible is the final authority for your life? You believe that? Do you believe that the Bible is the final authority in your life or for your life? Is your lifestyle and your decisions guided by the Bible? Now, as we go through the book of Judges, as far as the Lord will let us, we're going to be looking at these questions. 
Do you believe the Bible is the final authority for your life? Is your lifestyle and your decisions guided by the Bible? Number two. Why do you believe as you do? Why do you believe as you do? You ever hear these interviews on these late night shows and they ask these people walking down the street questions? <laughs> it's, 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 if it wasn't so serious, it really would be comical. They have no concept why they believe what they do. Where do you get your standards and your values? Where you get those? You get those from the Bible or from the world around you? Where do you get your standards? Everybody's doing it. If it feels good, do it. Everybody's doing it. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Where do you get your values? Where's all that come from? Number three. Do you subject every detail of your life to the authority of God's Word? Remember the little bracelet people used to wear? What would Jesus do? Do you subject every detail? It's not an overstatement. Do you subject every detail of your life? Do you go where you're supposed to go, do what you do, say what you say? Do you subject all that? to the authority of God's Word. And number four, are you saved? Have you been born again? Are you a new creature in Christ? Does your lifestyle demonstrate that this is so? Are you saved? Have you been born again? Are you a new creature in Christ? Does your lifestyle demonstrate that this is so? And then I'll just tag the bottom. If God doesn't change you from the rest of the culture, then what's it all about? What's it about? If you're no different as a believer from those who've never professed Christ, what's it about? There was a plan. Beware the Canaanites. Move them out. We'll find out next week. They cried. But all of a sudden they think, you know, we might could do good if we just uh, kept them as slaves and keep them in the land. So there was a, there was a fighting. Then they began to fear. Then they accepted them. Then all of a sudden you saw God's nation just turn and became canonized. That's how we word prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into this place and to open your word and freedom we have to do this. As we look at our country, Father, today,
We're in a mess. We have no guidelines, no spiritual guidelines, no spiritual foothold of authority. We have turned our way from you. Forgive us. Have mercy on us. You have given us a moral code that to live by, to govern our lives by, where everyone can have justice and peace and live in harmony. It's in your word. You've given that to us. And we have we thumbed our nose up against your word. And we're wondering why we're in such a mess. We're going by our own standards. Guidelines. Help us, God. We need your help. We need revival. We started this service off by singing, Revive us again. We need revival. Let it begin right here as we submit to your authority over our lives and what the book says, what the Word says. Thank you for what you're going to do in this service today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.